Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, this morning I'll be doing a reading from Matthew 7, 21 to 29. True and false disciples. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from you, you evildoers, the wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished... Saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thank you, Callum. Uh, anyone remember Bushel's chicory coffee essence? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's all right. I'll pray for you later. Uh, so growing up, uh, growing up, when I was really young, uh, this was what coffee was in our house. It was coffee and chicory essence. It's not really coffee. Uh, there's not an awful lot of coffee in it. Uh, but there was, you know, you'd make iced coffee. It made really good iced coffee. We might beg to differ, but that's okay. Uh, and it was chicory essence uh, was what kind of produced what coffee was in our house. And I, obviously, I was too young to have the real thing, and I didn't really know much about it anyway, uh, because it, we didn't have quite the coffee culture. That's actually a relatively new thing, uh, to have quite the coffee culture that we have in Australia. Uh, growing up in the country, mostly, uh, this was a really big one, coffee and chicory essence. I got a bit older, and I kind of decided that I wanted to drink coffee, uh, but I just couldn't stand it. So I did the gateway coffee, otherwise known as a mocha. Uh, it's a way of kind of sweetening it, and it really doesn't matter how bad the coffee is because the, the, the chocolate part of it makes up for it. You can get a mocha from a really bad cafe, and it's not the same as getting a really bad coffee. Uh, it, it just kind of helps ease those edges. And so I started to drink mockers and I guess I just kind of resigned myself to never liking coffee. Now, why I really wanted to like coffee, I don't know, but I did. Like, I really wanted to drink coffee. Uh, and so I started on mocha, but I just couldn't drink coffees. I used to go to Dome or other places and I was like, oh, I just, no. And so mocha was what it was. Then I went to Levers with Red Frogs, as I was talking about before. And I discovered Yahava. Now, this was way back when Yahava kind of first came over. It was first this kind of big deal down in the southwest. Uh, you couldn't get it in Perth because it wasn't here yet. It was just down there. And I discovered black gold. And it was kind of like for the first time, my eyes were opened to the joy of coffee. And I would, I would try the coffee there and I'd make sure I got back down there to have coffee as often as I could. Uh, and black gold, just it was kind of like this time I was like, 
That's what coffee is meant to taste like. I'd had coffee before. I'd had, you know, mocha before. I'd had chicory essence before. That wasn't the real stuff. When I found black gold, it was like it came alive for the first time. It's kind of similar to when people share their faith stories. Oftentimes, people will talk about, look, I went to church growing up, or I had Christian parents, or I went to a Christian school, or, or, or I was in a Christian home, or those, these things were going on, and I read the Bible, and the Bible was there, but it was just kind of dead, and it didn't really say much to me. But then one day, Something about the Bible came to life. I heard some practical teaching. I heard someone share something and it came to life and I knew what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I'd read the Bible before. Yeah, I'd heard the message before. Yeah, I knew all that. But then one day, someone taught it in a way that brought it alive. Uh, one of my stories, and I, I always I talk about Graham Johnson a lot because there was a huge, huge impetus in my life towards coming to faith. And he had a way of taking those passages that I would normally hear growing up and go, and that you know, your eyes glaze over. You've never experienced that with the Bible at all. Uh, and, but he would, he would take those passages and somehow the way that he shared them it made them real. It, it kind of made me feel like I was in that story. But not only was I in the story, and one of the things that made Graham Johnson the preacher that he was, was it wasn't about sitting there and being like a cow. You know, like, you, know you go, mmm, mmm, yeah, good teaching pastor, mmm. It was actually, as he shared it, you knew what you had to do. It was practical. It wasn't just head knowledge. It, it moved down into your heart and it helped you to go, I know that this week I need to. X, Y, Z. Uh, we're working through a series that are called Faith Catalysts. And we're looking at the things that are catalyzing our faith, what, what supercharges our faith. And there are a number of ways that our faith kind of, it's almost like it's on steroids. It kind of helps us to take it serious and to live it out. And one of the key practices, one of the things that's really important for us as followers of Jesus is to have practical teaching. Not just teaching, practical teaching. Uh, the, the sort of teaching that you go away from church and go, I, I actually know what to do with this. That, that There's actually something beyond this. Uh, you see, Practical teaching is just more than knowledge. It's more than being able to sit there and go, that's a really good pastor. That's a really good sermon pastor. It's teaching that leads to action, that, that helps you apply it in the day-to-day. -day. A pastor by the name of Annie Stanley, who came up with most of this series, says this, What makes the difference in our lives is not simply gaining biblical knowledge, but being exposed to teaching that makes the Bible meaningful, practical, and applicable to everyday life. And here's the key. And then responding with action. See, it's the role of the church not just to teach good stuff. It's the role of the church to empower you and to equip you and to help you live out the teaching of Jesus. And that's what practical teaching is. So a couple of questions just to get you thinking. 
uh, about this morning. Uh, The first question is this. When Bible truth is communicated effectively, do you expect it to be soothing or disturbing? When Bible teaching is communicated effectively, do you expect it to be soothing or disturbing? Or maybe somewhere in between. Have you ever applied a specific teaching of Scripture that looking back prepared you for an unexpected storm? That that you started to live out something that maybe it wasn't relevant at that time. Maybe it wasn't something that was pressing to you in that moment. But then later you could look back and go, oh, wow. I'm so glad that I was living out that scripture. I'm so glad that that scripture was real because it helped prepare me for what was coming. Or maybe you can think of a difficult time that you faced that actually could have been avoided if you actually had applied the principles of Scripture. Maybe you knew something and then you came across and you didn't apply those principles and that brought something into your life that you're like, oh man, I wish that I could have missed that. I wish that I'd lived that out sooner. I wish that I'd taken that which I knew and had actually put it into action. One of the things that really stands out to me as I look at the teachings of Jesus and as I look at sort of what he was saying to the disciples and what he was saying in the culture at the time is actually the teaching of Jesus was often disturbing, disruptive and challenging. That, that, that Jesus would share these things and the, the Pharisees would come to him and say, like, Jesus, you realize that if we actually do what you say, like, you know what that's going to mean. Or the disciples would come up to Jesus afterwards because they didn't do it in the moment. They would come to him later, which was the practice of discipleship. And they would come to Jesus and say, like, Jesus, are you, are you sure? Like, is that really what you mean? That sometimes as we actually have the teaching of Jesus coming into our lives, it's not always, I mean, sometimes we hear it and go, oh, wow, yeah, that makes so much sense. But I think a lot of the time we hear it and go, ooh, but that's going to mean, but, but then I'll have to change. But, but that means doing this differently. And it's one of the reasons why I think the church can be paralyzed at times. Because the issue is not that we don't know enough. Oftentimes our problem as followers of Jesus isn't that we don't have the knowledge. Sometimes it is, and especially when we're early in faith or just coming back to faith, and we, we just don't know things. But a lot of the time, the challenge isn't that we don't know stuff. It's that we don't do what we do know. Or, or the teaching that we listen to, or the places that we go, or the, the encouragement that we get from one another uh, isn't such that it actually helps us live it out. We learn really good theology, but don't necessarily live it out in practice. So one of the faith catalysts, one of the the things that will help explode your faith, one of the things that will help you really come to know the fullness of what it means to follow in Jesus is making sure that you find yourself and you position yourself in places that you receive practical, hands-on teaching that equips you and empowers you and releases you to live it out. 
Uh, and our, our scripture that was read to us today, Matthew 7, 24 to 25, I want to pick it up from there. And it says this, Therefore everyone, this is Jesus speaking, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. Has anyone had that in their life? They've had that feel like it was happening. That that you know the the streams rose, the winds blew, the rain's coming down. Maybe he's saying get it right now, um, and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. So I've, I've highlighted the words who hears these words of mine. Uh, this is not just talking about all of the New Testament. The, the context of this passage uh, is Matthew 5 to 7. It's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It, it's really the very, it's the main story that Jesus shared other than his death and resurrection. So it's everything beyond him actually dying and rising again. It's a summary in so many ways of the vast majority of Jesus' teaching right there in three chapters. Uh, if you only had time to learn three chapters of Jesus' teaching, taking the Sermon on the Mount would cover 80 or 90% of what Jesus actually taught through the rest of his time on earth. It's a really good summary of what Jesus was all about. And so at the end of it, he, he says, and he's talking to, you know, to the crowds and to the people that are there, everyone who hears these words and then goes back home and doesn't do anything with it. Anyone who hears these words, this summary of my way of life, this, this way of thinking, this way of living, this way of growing, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man. Uh, the same person I quoted before, Andy Stanley, who, again, as I've said before, a lot of the, the main concepts of this series uh, come from one of the teaching series he's done, and then I've added my own flair to actually make it applicable in our context. He says this, For growing our faith, what we do is more significant than what we know. Let me say that again. For growing our faith, what we do is more significant than what we know. Maybe you're a baby Christian. Maybe you're new to faith. Or maybe you've just come back to faith recently. And you're kind of like, I know nothing. Like, I, I, I really know nothing. There's so many questions, so many unknowns. You're actually in a really good place. Because the alternative, and this is also very common, is you'll have someone who knows the Bible back to front, could quote the whole thing, but doesn't live it out. For growing our faith, taking those few little nuggets that we do know, taking those few little sparks and living them out will do more for your faith than learning the whole Bible. Because what we do is so much more significant than what we know. Uh, it continues on. There's another side. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew, and beat against that house, 
and it fell away with a great crash. Again, same circumstances of life. You, they might go through the same things, the same challenges, the same difficulty, the same storms. But if you haven't put into practice, if you haven't learned the ways, of, if you haven't been putting into action the things that you do know, then it's at that time that it's actually really easy to fall away. Really easy to give up. Because you haven't got those firm foundations. See, Jesus again and again and again. And then after Jesus rose and went away and he left his disciples behind, his followers again and again and again, taught for application. They were adamant that what was most important was not that I gave you a great big theological triatise of everything and that you just went, yeah, sounds good, but actually helped their followers, the first disciples, and then the disciples from there, and then the disciples beyond that, live out the teachings of Jesus. See, one of the challenges that we face, I think in the Western church in particular, but just generally as you know, every day today life, you can theologically believe something without functionally living it out. You can be theologically convinced. You can have in your head and go, this is the way things are. But if you're not living it out, it's close to, if not useless. But you'd actually be better off knowing less and living the little that you do know than having great swaths of knowledge and not doing anything with it. Biblical teaching isn't meant to make you spiritually fat. It's meant to make you spiritually fit for purpose. That you're actually better off slowing down and just learning little bits from time to time and putting in place little actions, I mean little actions, because a lot of time when we try to apply, we go, all right, what does it look like to take 7,000 steps? I'm going to go from not reading the Bible ever to I'm going to read the Bible in a week. And then two days later, we've stopped. Surprise, surprise. Isn't it? What's one step? What's one step? Put that little bit into practice. Biblical teaching is not meant to make you spiritually fat. It's not meant to make you sound really wise and have lots of really good things to say, but have a life that doesn't reflect it at all. And we hear of that too often. We hear of too many pastors, we have too many Christians who, who can say all the right things. But in the background, they're not living out those things. Practical teaching living out those things is what will grow your faith. The main theme of our series that we've been talking to is that the main foundation of faith is trust. The main foundation of faith is trust. That, that as your faith grows, that one of the, the things that grows along with it, one of the reasons you can say that your faith is growing is it's because your trust in God is growing. That you're, you're starting to trust him more and to trust that, that what he says is what he means and that actually you can depend upon him. It may not make everything better. It may not solve all the problems, but you can trust him. 
And one of the best ways to grow your trust in God is to apply what you hear. It's to apply what you learn. It's to apply the teachings that you receive. Otherwise, what happens is you'll say, I heard of this great stuff and then nothing in my life changed. Oh, God's not there. Well, no, he, he was waiting for you to actually put it into practice and try. And all right, you might fail sometimes. You might stuff up. You might make some mistakes. Uh, God will actually work with you in that space. He will help you as you take those fledgling steps. You know, many of you have, have had small children and you've watched them learn to walk. And if a, if a kid was convinced that, you know, I'm not going to walk until I can walk like this. Until I can be really confident in my walking. I'm not going to take a step. Some kids really push it as long as they can and they do walk fairly well, fairly quickly. But most kids who are learning to walk, their first steps, you don't even know their steps because you're like, you just face planted. What were you doing? That wasn't a step. But you don't berate them for it. Because they're learning to walk. Your faith will grow more by taking little baby steps that maybe you then fall flat on your face. But you get back up and take another step. And that it's important to really try and focus in on maybe a few small things and to really get some of those down pat before you get worried about doing all the big things that you see everyone else doing. They're in a different stage of faith. Or maybe you've been Christian for a long time. You get really comfortable in your own faith and then something new comes along. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to stay over here. I don't need to try anything new because I've got this really well-defined, robust faith. And if I try that, I may not look robust and, and strong. But actually, God is saying, that's the boat I want you in. Give it a shot. Live it out. Take a step. So what can we do? What, what, what does this look like? How do we put, how can you apply this? Ah, you thought you were going to get away with that, didn't you? Ah, firstly, regularly listen to practical teaching. I hope that you think that the one I give is practical teaching, uh, but here's your freedom. If you don't feel that you receive practical teaching at the church you call home, which might be this one, you need to find yourself at a place that is regularly teaching practical teaching, that's em empowering you and helping you and, and giving you the tools and the strength that you need to live out your faith. It's one of the biggest challenges that Western church has is it is so easy to go along to a church and consume, to listen in, to enjoy the service, to have a great time, and then to go home and nothing matters, nothing changes. You've heard a great sermon. It's really engaging, really fun. Woo! But you don't have to put it into action. Jesus taught for application. Now, I'm going to say something here which I don't do because I'm not a notebook person, but if you are, bring a notebook and pen. Write it down. Write down your thoughts or bring out your phone. Maybe you're a phone person or, or you, know, you, you can go back and you can listen to it later. Listen back to Sunday's messages or, or find some other teachings or other things that you can listen to. And make sure that practical teaching is part of your ongoing life. Uh, find some good podcasts. 
There's some really good podcasts out there that do some really basic things. Uh, you might be someone who likes the deep dive into the hour and a half podcast, or you might be like, yeah, five minutes is good. There are, some, there are podcasts at both ends of the spectrum that just give you a little nugget. Uh, there's one called One Thing. It's more, it's more for pastors, but uh, there are some other ones that are kind of like that, that just share one practical tip to how you follow Jesus. Find something to listen to and think about how can I apply this. Another really easy way to do this, one of our practices as a church, uh, is to be a part of a life group. Uh, make sure that you have a space that you're regularly gathering in a smaller group context. Uh, it's one of the fascinating things about the way that Jesus did his teaching. Uh, it was the model of discipleship at the time. was that the, the rabbi, and Jesus was a rabbi, we talked about that last week, the rabbi would share publicly and he might share to the crowds and he'd share to these big groups really dense topics that didn't go very deep. They were kind of like surface level general things. And then afterwards in private, the disciples would come along and ask him questions. And in that smaller context, the rabbi would go into a deeper explanation of what that teaching was about. And the disciples can ask questions and they can actually rub shoulders with each other and talk about, yeah, that, that means this and this is what that looks like and this is how I live it out. Right? The reality is, is the large group context is not going to be the best place to put legs on the practical teaching. But being involved in a space that you're regularly rubbing shoulders with a small group of people who, who know the nitty-gritty of life, who know what you did last Saturday, who know what you're doing in different contexts, who have the, the freedom and are encouraged to actually speak into your life, they will help you grow. And so when you're listening to practical teaching, when you're listening to that, here are some things to look for. Always be asking, and this is where it might get complicated because you don't want too many things to do, but always be asking, is there anything I need to do this week? Is there anything I need to do this week, month or year in light of this teaching? Maybe each week when you come along on a Sunday or whenever it is that you do come along. Just be asking that God would instill in you one thing. Now, it doesn't have to be, I need to go and completely rework my entire life. Okay, that's probably going to be too much to do in one time. But what's one simple thing that you can take away for that week? Maybe ask God to do that. Or, or maybe you've got some trusted confidants and you can come away to them and say, look, I've got a couple of questions. Could you help me work out what it is I'm meant to do with them? Always be asking yourself, what is this calling me? What is God prodding me? What is he saying as I'm listening to this? And if you actually don't find yourself feeling the call to action, if you find yourself in a place that's doing teaching regularly and you don't feel that there's ever anything for you to apply, I have to ask if that's practical teaching. And that doesn't mean it's not practical to other people. It's not even necessarily a judgment on that person who's giving it. But is that the context for you? Because Jesus and then his followers taught for application. Because he wanted their faith to grow and to be lived out and to be real and to be honest and authentic. 
Another one is this, is am I reminded? Uh, it may not be something new. It may not actually be a brand new thing and you're like, oh, another thing that I have to do. You might actually just be reminded. Actually, there was something else that I previously committed to. Actually, there was something else that at the start of this year, I sat down and said to God, this is what I want to do. And, oh, I haven't done that yet, have I? All right, maybe that's what I can do. Maybe that's the step that I can take. And it might be over the next week or month or year. It might actually be a longer term application that you need to do. But be open to being reminded. What are the things that you had previously committed to doing? And the other one is, is that good practical teaching will provide encouragement. It won't just be a list of do, 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 because we get tired really easily. And in our life, there is no end of things to do. And so if, if faith was just about always doing, it would actually be really difficult and we'd be tired and we wouldn't follow Jesus well. So what's the encouragement? What's the takeaway? What might God be saying? Maybe God's actually encouraging you and saying, hey, remember how you committed to doing X? You're doing it. Good job. And maybe there isn't anything new for you to do in that context. But actually God will point to you and say, yeah. Yeah, you're taking some steps. Be able to read the seasons that you're in. If you're going through a real challenging time, it might be that God comes and completely changes everything. Or it might be that God goes, actually, right now, yeah, just focus on your health. Actually, right now, just focus on your marriage. Actually, right now, just focus on your kids. That's enough. Actually, right now, just focus on what you're eating. Actually, right now, just focus on your work. Appropriately. And be encouraged by that. That there will be times that you can actually go, yeah, that's enough. That's enough. But be looking for it. Don't just get comfortable. The main foundation of faith is trust. And trust grows as we put it into action. As we give God opportunities to come through. Let's just pray. Uh, Father, we, we thank you that you sent Jesus. He came in the flesh. He represented what it means to follow you. Incredibly practical ways. We pray that you'd help us this day and each day as we follow you to choose to live out the teachings of Jesus. May we not just grow fat spiritually, but empower us to live out your ways. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.